Miss Peacock goes with this idea, deciding to leave first, and as she backs up to the door with everyone at gunpoint, they sing for she's a jolly good fellow until she exits. <laughs> it's it's very funny because they're all singing in unison, except for Mrs. White. <laughs> when she goes off like rhythm, Green looks at her like, the hell are you doing? <laughs> There's a lot of background facial expressions. Yeah. It's really Hello and welcome to another episode of Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by Kaluna, aka Heather Wynn, aka a good friend of mine from VidCon's past, and also the Scooby-Doo uh, meets Kiss episode, if you remember that. Uh, welcome back to the show. Hello. Yes. Uh, any uh, chance to talk about movies that I love and force people to watch if they've not already seen. <laughs> I will well, never not appreciate Scooby-Doo. <laughs> of course, but for more on that, check out the uh, Scooby-Doo Meets Kiss episode of this podcast. Uh, what we're really here to talk about today, though, is a movie that is so near and dear to my heart. The excitement when you pulled this one and said, hey, I want to do this for the podcast was insurmountable. Uh, I got to ask you, why, why, why are we talking about Clue the movie? <laughs> Why aren't we is the real question. I know. (laughs) It's like, I'm not a person who can easily figure out like my favorite movie because, Mm -hmm. you know, one, there's so many. And two, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. But when I get like a general like top five, uh, Clue is in there. It, It is... It is a difficult movie for me to not watch, like no matter what mood I'm in. Like I can be Mm -hmm. like depressed, I can be excited, I can be bored, anything, and I will still probably watch it. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I, to spoiler how I feel about this movie before the end of the episode, I fucking love this movie. (laughs) It's one of my all-time favorites. It's it's, just, it's it's a classic comedy. Yeah, it's everyone in it is giving the performance of their life. It's, I mean, Tim Curry is like chicken soup for the soul, and he's just being the most Tim Curry. And he's gone on record before saying that his performance in Clue is one of like his favorite uh, yeah. performances, which is great. It's mm-hmm. it's so good. I uh, I didn't actually see the film until I was in college. Uh, I was in high school, like late high school, and a friend of mine who was like a couple years older was doing a performance of the of Clue, like the mm. stage version. She was yeah. um, oh, what was she? She was Mrs. Peacock. And another friend who I would make later was the driver guy. The, yeah. um, anyway, uh, so I saw it and I was like, oh, that's great. And someone told me, it's like, oh, yeah, it's based off of the movie. I'm like, there's a movie? I didn't know there was a it movie. Is, it's <laughs> the most, like, movie made to be made into a stage show that has ever existed. Like, you're watching it you're like, oh, I can see exactly how they would make this into, like, a set on stage. <laughs> The dialogue like, reads like a play at times. Yeah, like, we'll get into this, like, as we progress, but there are mm-hmm. certain sequences that are so impressive in the film and, like, nothing against the actors. It's so much more impressive on stage when you don't have cuts <laughs> and edits. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I feel like just to broach the subject, yes, this is based on the board game Clue for anyone who is unfamiliar. Or Cluedo uh, if you're from the UK. Or Cluedo for our UK listeners. <laughs> I guess if there's any countries besides the UK that also call it Cluedo, feel free to email me and complain about that. Um, mm. Or email me, let me know what your country calls the board game Clue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I would love to know. Um, but... It is going to be a murder mystery, much like in the game. Got to find out who done what, where, with what, and um, I I could not love this movie. I'm so I, there's the thing with this movie is there's a non-zero portion of it where they are kind of just recapping the whole plot, and that is sort of what I do on this show. And so yeah. to have to go head to head against Tim Curry, a battle I will lose immediately, is going to be pretty stressful. But I think we're going to power through anyway. <laughs> It's it is kind of funny because like the first third of the film is is just like pure setup. It's very mm-hmm. slow. It takes its time. So like looking at like the script for it, there's not actually a ton going on like yeah. written, but there's a lot going on with like the cinematography, the lighting, the music, Tim Curry's beautiful face. Like it's <laughs> the it's impressive how much he can get across in like with zero dialogue and just five minutes of the intro sequence it's it's insane (laughs) well speaking of that why don't we dive on in to clue the movie Uh, we open on a stormy night with some spooky yet playful music as uh cars drive the dimly lit roads leading to a large ominous manor with some conveniently segmented off rooms inside (laughs) yes they do match the uh, the design of the board game, at least the like the ground floor, technically, mm-hmm. like yeah. they go to like the basement and like the top floor, but like that you don't really see specifics. But they actually laid it out like how it's supposed to look. It looks good. Yeah, you got your library, your lounge, your study, all the key elements of this this manor. In one vehicle, Tim Curry, the goat himself, is driving up to said manor. Uh, and arriving, he uses a bunch of meat to satiate the guard dogs outside before entering. He does at one point, and this is a gag that they will continue through the opening 10 minutes, step in a little dog doo-doo <laughs> and sniff his foot. <laughs> it's one of those sequences that, like, it's a bit that keeps going, and it mm-hmm. starts to get annoying, and then it rounds back to being funny again. Like, they yeah. know when it's funny, they know when it's getting too old, and then they bring it back again. And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you knew how to do it so many times, but it's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, everyone who enters is going to one by one, like, sniff the air, then look at their shoe, <laughs> all, like, in sequence as soon as they get close to um, Tim Curry, who is playing Wadsworth, the butler, in this. Uh, we get a little Chiron to tell us where we are, New England, 1954. Nice. Doesn't really matter, because all we're going to be in is this house. John T. Music is playing on a record as the maid Yvette dances a bit and polishes some crystal. She is dressed tits out. <laughs> It, like, like when you think of, like, the sexy Halloween costume made mm-hmm. outfit, like, that is exactly what she's wearing. Yeah, petticoats just enough so that the skirt is always, like, a little lifted. <laughs> and she, like, lifts it up a couple of times, too, like, when she sits yes. down at one point. Like, you very clearly can see her mm-hmm. underwear or, like, whatever is covering her underwear, like, lollipop pants or something. But it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wadsworth checks that everything is all set to go with her and then goes over to the chef, who is also, of course, preparing for tonight with many sharpened knives for dinner at 730. Just then, Colonel Mustard, one of Clue's 
many characters arrives at the door. He tries to introduce himself properly, but Wadsworth insists that his employers demand the use of an alias, so Colonel Mustard being the alias here. They are all going to be using aliases that are conveniently the characters from the board game that you can play. <laughs> and actually, as all of the characters are arriving, it's not something that's super clear at first, but all of them, their car matches their color. Ooh. Yeah, because like Scarlet's car is bright red and she gets in the car with plum and his is purple. Uh-huh. And like they, I went and I went back and I looked at every single one of them and they are all their colors. Huh. That is an I excellent think Wa- catch. Wadsworth is the only one that's like, I think just a black car, if I remember. Yeah, but he's sort of color neutral in mm-hmm. Wadsworth, as far as I'm aware, is not a color. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, but yeah, like, but everybody, like the main six, uh, mm-hmm. all of their cars are ma- match their assigned Ooh. color, which is very nice. Very cool. Because they don't actually wear their color, which would have been, you know a nice thing to do but sure they don't but i do love uh the costumes especially for the women in this movie across the board are just like oh yeah no like they're great costumes it is just a little strange that they're not wearing at least something with their color on it Mm -hmm. which is a little weird but yeah wadsworth shows the colonel to the library and then lets in the next arrival miss white who is dramatically dressed in one of the aforementioned costumes that i love it's this like (laughs) tube-shaped black dress gloves the like hairnet it's just so dramatic like the key quintessential stoic widow giving adam's family realness (laughs) madeline khan like can't it's just she's just perfect like she's so (laughs) weird in the movie like mrs white she goes from being like quiet stoic serious to being like insane in just a Mm -hmm. second and it goes back and forth you (laughs) never know what you're gonna get with her it's wonderful no just one of the many incredible performances in this movie like the perfect performances for the character that they are portraying Mm -hmm. meanwhile on the road a woman who is dressed in just an incredible coat miss scarlet as we will soon see again another one of the aforementioned costumes that i love in this movie uh is having car troubles as thunder crackles luckily for her uh, another car driven by Professor Plum is passing by, so with a little leg bump to flag him down, a little leg lift off the side of the car. Oh, that boy's right the in dams. there. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she brings him to a stop and is offered a lift to the mansion. Luckily, they are both going to the same location as they both received the same cryptic invitation. I had forgotten just how much of a horn dog Plum is in this movie. So like much. I completely forgot <laughs> until it I went and rewatched it. Given what his uh reason for being at the mansion is when you find out yes. later, like what his like dark secret is it's but it is kind it's of very funny, funny. yeah because it's, it's christopher lloyd so you're like oh <laughs> this is really weird uh um next to arrive is miss peacock who again fantastic costume just sort of in a different direction than the other two uh mm-hmm. so many feathers so much happening. my grandmother looked like that woman at one point in her life like <laughs> excellent like that exact outfit Yes. And the glasses and everything. Like, it's so close to what my grandma looks like. Kids was like, oh my God, okay, weird. <laughs> Your grandma was cool is what I'm hearing. She, she was a classy lady. She she knew what she liked. <laughs> As does Miss Peacock, who is shown to the study where Yvette the maid is. Uh, and the maid quickly goes to check on dinner with the chef, letting all of our characters go gather together as Mr. Green arrives and Wadsworth tells the dog to sit. Mr. Green sits instead. 
This is one of the many jokes. There was a point in the summary where I had to stop writing down the jokes that I loved in this movie because there are too many. It's genuinely incredibly funny. And every time I watch it, I catch a different bit that is just as funny as the last one. Just to pretend that this level of dialogue and physical humor are happening the whole time. Yeah, like the the dialogue is witty and there's so much like very good slapstick, which Mm -hmm. is a thing I didn't realize I missed. Yeah. Until like going back and watching some of these older films where like slapstick is done meaningfully, like everything mm-hmm. makes sense for what it's setting up. Yeah, it's it's the perfect intersection of like the verbal humor and the physical and it makes the slapstick work better because you get the like occasional blink and you'll miss it line of dialogue and then you get mm. the much more obvious movement happening and even still it's all works incredibly well and it's it's a kind of humor we don't get a lot in more recent movies. Um, yeah. I can't think of an equivalent to this in the last, like, five years or so. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, the physicality of the scenes is, like, really what brings a lot of the humor. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, like, one person. Pretty much everybody has some sort of, like, gag, fall, etc. Like, mm-hmm. they're all physically moving around a lot. Like, even the women in, like, the tight dresses and heels are, <laughs> are moving. They're moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're hustling. There, There is one point where it's incredibly obvious that someone is a stunt double. It's very <laughs> funny. Because, <laughs> like, really? That's what you need the stunt double for? Okay, <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, despite the terrifying visage of the manor and their car troubles, Miss Scarlet and Professor Plum finally make it doing their best not to get drenched in the process as the rain comes down. This is where Professor Plum touches her butt for the first of many times. Uh, and then Miss uh, Scarlet reveals the dress. Whoo, baby, I love that dress. <laughs> it's like yeah. this green velvet number with this just massive, poofy, it, translucent thing on one sleeve. It rocks. Yeah, it, it's it's a tight-fitting, like, turquoise greeny kind of taffeta dress uh, with mm-hmm. the the across-the-shoulders straps, not like, so like, I can't remember yeah. what the term is. It fits her beautifully. She's a gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. I definitely got Leslie Ann Warren mixed up with Susan Sarandon at one point. Yes. Because they look so similar. <laughs> they have similar energy. Yes. I don't blame you for that one. Yeah, they look very similar at this point in time, so it wasn't mm-hmm. that much of a surprise. Yeah. But yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a... Little... Just casual sexual harassment going on. You know, mm-hmm. it's the 80s. <laughs> it's uh, a thing. The 80s. All the players gathered in the study, Wadsworth explains that everyone here is going by a pseudonym, and as he begins to give more information, the dinner gong, not a metaphor, is rung, and everyone proceeds across the hall to the dining room and finds their seats, save Wadsworth, who has buttling to attend to. He's a butler, he buttles. (laughs) I checked when they go and sit down to see if they matched the board spaces they don't but i thought that would have been really funny if that like where you get placed on the board like their specific locations uh they they weren't but i thought that would have been funny (laughs) as dinner is served wadsworth explains the last guest to arrive is mr body uh though everyone was under the impression that that was going to be their host everyone's sort of here under mysterious circumstances no one's quite sure what's going on at this point um, shark fin soup slurping commences, and to break the awkward silence, Miss Peacock begins rambling about how determined to enjoy herself she is. Really quite the talkative member of the crew. As she's rambling, Miss White takes the bait and asks about 
Miss Peacock's husband's work, and she almost spills who her husband is, but Miss Peacock, despite catching herself, is able to keep that information aside. Unfortunately, Mr. Green recognizes her as he also, like her husband, works in Washington. We're learning that a lot of characters work in Washington in this dinner conversation. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, they don't specify, like, where the location is. It's just Mm -hmm. New England. New England. Which means... Okay, sure. Because you could take a train to D.C. Yeah. very Anywhere easily. north of D.C. on the East Coast could maybe count as New England. I and mean, technically, has, like, I think it's a particular accent, if I can catch. No. Like, no one has, like, a very specific, like, New York accent, mm-hmm. Massachusetts accent. Not, they're all fairly neutral. Yeah. And I think that that plays to the strength. Like, this movie's not really about any one particular location. It's kind of the opposite of all those rom-coms where, like, New York is a character. Like, no, the location is not a character here so much as... The mansion is just the thing that is forcing them all to be together in this sort of like bottle. I think the only person who has like a consistent accent is is white, and she's got like mm-hmm. a transatlantic accent going on, and yeah. it's, it, it waffles. <laughs> it's really funny, like how inconsistent the consistency mm-hmm. is. You know, it, it, it's good though. It, it's just like all right, that's a choice. That's, yeah. that's a choice. Miss White makes a little crack here about uh, when asked what her husband does, that mostly he lies on his back all day. And before she can elaborate, a thunderclap startles them all to the next course being served, which is one of Miss Peacock's favorites. And so she digs in. She asks Mr. Green what he does in Washington, but rather than getting an answer, she gets psychoanalyzed by Professor Plum, who uh, currently works for WHO and he, uh, the World Health Organization. Yeah, no, no, the band. (laughs) WHO. Really oh boy. <laughs> uh, and the professor asks what the colonel does. He is indeed, as his name pseudonym suggests, a colonel. Uh, and Miss Scarlet points out how coincidental it is that all of these folks gathered here seem to live in DC or earn their living from the government in some way. Uh, the colonel decides to start questioning Wadsworth, but at just this moment, the last guest arrives, and we stay with all of the guests at the table as Wadsworth welcomes in and then presents Mr. Body. Ooh. <laughs> the guy they got for Mr. Body. Leaving. He's, he's so weird. Like, everyone does a good job in this movie, but if there's one person who I'm like, Probably could have used another take. <laughs> it's the guy playing Mr. Body. Well, I got great news for you about how long he's going to be he's doing not... some heavy acting in this movie. Yeah, he's not there for very long. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, oh, that's 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 an interesting read. Right. Okay. Mr. Body joins them at dinner, and Miss Peacock asks him why they're all here, and Wadsworth jumps in to explain that they all received a letter that said a Mr. Body would reveal something to them if they all showed up here at this inciting incident, yada, 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 yada. Basically, they've all been gathered here because of something that they're going to learn or be revealed, and Mr. Body is involved. Um, Mr. Body, for his part, seems to know everybody, and but his letter apparently did not say the same thing as everyone else's, though he doesn't elaborate on this at all. Wadsworth offers dessert, and everyone is just sort of awkwardly silent, so he suggests they go to the study for coffee and brandy, hopefully for their unknown host to reveal his intentions. They do a good job of trying to, like, set up lots of different possibilities, because you're like, oh, wait... Is Mr. Body the host? Wait, what's going mm-hmm. on? Wadsworth seems to know what's going on, but he wait, he also doesn't know what's going on. Like, what? Yeah. They're peddling in a lot of, of missing information for the yeah, setup. Yeah, they're trying to keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. 
As they all enter and settle, Wadsworth picks up the envelope addressed to him on the desk and uh, opens it and reads what's inside. Wadsworth goes to explain the one thing they have in common, unless, as he offers, Mr. Body would like to do the honors. And Mr. Body, taking this dramatic moment, rises and angrily says that all of this is a hoax and tries to leave, which is precisely when Wadsworth reveals that there is no way out as all the doors are locked and the windows barred and there are guard dogs outside. They are all trapped in this mansion and only he has the key uh mr body does persist to try and find a way out but failing to returns to his very dramatic seat in the back corner of the study it's mostly these like two couches and then one chair off in the dark shady corner <laughs> and that is yeah. where mr body is seated and there's a very like in- fun moment where green is like trying to find a seat and can't quite find one <laughs> <laughs> yeah he like clears off a little bit of one of the bar carts and like leans on it he has some of the best like physical comedy in the in the whole movie. hundred percent. Wadsworth then explains the thing they all have in common is that they're all being blackmailed and none of them know who is blackmailing them. Miss Peacock immediately tries to deny it, but everyone else is sort of guiltily silent. Uh, and Wadsworth continues as instructed, dismissing the maid and addressing each of the key characters in turn. He starts with Professor Plum, who used to be a professor of psychiatry and now works at the UN. So his work... Uh, <laughs> He used to work with uh, lunatics, with delusions of grandeur, uh, and his work basically hasn't changed since changing venue is the joke they make here. But um, But, uh, he doesn't practice medicine anymore because he lost his license doing that thing that doctors aren't supposed to do with pretty lady patients. So his history of sexual assault is apparently deep and vast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're playing this for laughs. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, the different 80s. times, different times. Yeah. His is the um blackmail reason that I think has maybe aged the worst. Everyone else's are pretty tight to the time period. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like there, there's definitely like uh, him and and Greens are the mm. two like that yeah. have aged the worst, <laughs> as we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, Miss Peacock expresses disgust, so she's up next in this revealing of secrets. Uh, She apparently takes bribes to deliver her senator husband's vote to lobbyists and doesn't declare those payments to the House, so it's all underboard, basically. She takes bribes. (laughs) How how timely. (laughs) (laughs) Things Uh, never change. Oh, boy. Miss White says she is being blackmailed for something she didn't do, and... uh, she uh <laughs> and this is a sentiment that mr green and colonel mustard agree with though miss scarlet seems unabashedly sure that she is doing exactly what she's being blackmailed for and decides to just bite the bullet and fill us in herself uh she runs a bordeaux and phone sex line in washington dc which is how she knows colonel mustard who continues to claim that what she's saying is not true uh but the implication of photo negatives that have evidence on them catches him in the lie uh, and as someone who has a sensitive security post it ain't good for him to be going hanging out with all these ladies of the night and whatnot wadsworth then turns his attention to miss white whose husband died under mysterious circumstances thus the whole lying on his back quip from earlier um miss mm-hmm. white denies that she actually killed him uh she's just been paying these blackmail fees to avoid a scandal and does a little spiel about how he was deranged and threatened to kill her and explains that her first husband who also died under mysterious circumstances was an illusionist who disappeared uh he never came back because he wasn't a very good illusionist (laughs) 
I think she says, what is it? It's, uh, how many husbands have you had at some point? Yeah. There's a whole great gag with that. It's like, like uh-huh. It's like, mine or other or other, other women's? <laughs> You're like, well, okay. That answers yeah. our question. Miss Scarlet is like the iconic girl boss lines of this movie in how just like confident and active she is in the plot. And then Miss White is sort of like the gaslight gatekeep portion of that trio. You know, she's got some other iconic lines, but she is more reserved. Yeah. Yeah. Her and she says her lines so quietly sometimes that you almost miss them if you're really not paying attention. Like uh, when when Mustard is going off and talking to her about like her husband's dying or whatever uh and he's like ah yes you get where you get men when they're most vulnerable yes <laughs> for men the flies are where they're most vulnerable and you're like <laughs> okay yeah all right yeah i think she's got a line you, about um husbands should be like tissues soft strong and disposable <laughs> it's it's yeah, there's so many good one-liners in this that I definitely <laughs> quote still to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we have Mr. Green stand up and decide to come clean for himself rather than have Wadsworth unmask him. And he explains that he works for the State Department and also that he is gay. And he's not ashamed, but he doesn't want to lose his job. Um, having all come clean, they all turn to Mr. Body, who, as it turns out, is the one who has been blackmailing all of them. He looks as smug as ever, and the crew beat him up a bit until Wadsworth interrupts and tells them that the police have been called and will arrive in 45 minutes, so all they have to do to end their various troubles is tell the police they've been blackmailed and by whom. Mr. Body seems to think it won't be that simple. They'd never let their secrets come to light, despite the uh, conversation they've been having this whole time being recorded. Wadsworth suggests they tell the truth and Mr. Body will be behind bars, but Mr. Body just tells him to go get his bag from the hall and reveals a bunch of packages, all of which, when unpacked slowly and dramatically, contain candlesticks, rope, lead pipes, and various murder weapons from the Clue Gay. <laughs> there is actually a, a, a little uh, thing later on that's kind of an homage to the original as well, with the uh, what items are in the house. Hmm. I do feel like it's, uh, these are all described by Mr. Body as lethal weapons and that should anyone expose him, they will expose themselves. But if one of them kills Wadsworth, no one but the seven people in this room will know. So Mr. Body is giving them murder weapons. I do think like maybe the knife and the gun might be <laughs> slightly more regularly effective on, <laughs> like the candlestick and the say... lead pipe are doing the same thing. If I was the one who got one of those, I would be a little bit concerned. I would, I, you know, when I played the game originally, like, you had the little pieces, like, the Monopoly pieces that yeah. represented them, because, like, I don't remember if they, we always played with them. I never mm -hmm. remembered what we were actually supposed to do with them. I think they're just um, sort of for funsies. <laughs> but I remember the, like, the lead pipe thinking, how's that going to kill anybody in, like, a wrench? And I'm thinking, like, a little wrench, you know? So uh -huh. at least in the movie, they do a good job of establishing, like, the candlestick is heavy, the yeah. wrench is big and also heavy. Like, the lead pipe is enormous. So, like, they do a good job of being, like, okay, I can see at least how they'd be knocked out at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Body, having explained that he wants them to kill Wadsworth, then shuts the door and turns off the lights. There's a thud, moan, gunshot, and scream in that order. And then Miss Peacock turns on the light, dagger in hand, revealing a Mr. Body lying motionless on the floor. 
Uh, Professor Plum looks him over and sees that there's no gunshot wound, and de- but declares him dead nonetheless. Uh, they spot a broken vase on the mantle with a bullet hole, so the, whoever fired the gun missed Mr. Body. And everyone starts to panic. There's a lot of panicking in this movie. It is incredibly funny every time. There's a lot of great little like one-liners back and forth that happen during it. I cannot recapture that in an audio-only summary. Please just watch this movie. <laughs> yeah like i will again i will say the first third of the movie is a little on the slower side because they're taking Mm -hmm. the time to set everything up establishing characters motives etc but like once it starts going it just Mm -hmm. keeps going it's so high energy by the end yeah it's pretty much only gonna get progressively faster from here they're all trying to figure out how mr body could have been killed if there's no sign of a gunshot wound and the suggestion that floats around is that the brandy he was drinking could have been poisoned uh, at one which point, Miss Peacock takes a big old sip. Uh, so they place her on the couch as she's sort of reeling from this possible revelation. And they all stare at her They're waiting to see if she'll die. <laughs> it's so stupid. Uh. Uh, they leave her there as because before long, there is some screaming coming from the library. It's Yvette. She's alive, but she's very, very frightened as she's been listening this whole time through the recording. She says that the murderer must be in this room since it must be one of the people from the study and they're all in this room now. And she is very frightened. So she kind of joins their little group for a while and they all return to the study with her in tow as Wadsworth collects the recording. Wadsworth- I, will, I will say like real quick, like the reason uh-huh. she screamed was because she also drank the the cognac, I think, and is like, oh no, I might be poisoned. <laughs> Poison was one of the original six uh, uh, methods of death in the original hmm. Uh, but they changed it because they thought it would be, I forget what the reason was that they changed it, but poison was like one of the options. Either they tried to introduce and it didn't work or it like at some point it was present in one of the original games. Huh. I wonder um, if it was like difficult to make like a token for that. In I, the same I way think that, do, that like, was the case. It ended stuff. up looking yeah. like a little like perfume bottle, I guess. Mm. Um and I guess maybe, like, the concept of poison might be... I don't know. Like, I forget what the specific reason was. But, yes, poison mm-hmm. was one of the options originally mm-hmm. or was egg. one that tried to get introduced. I can't quite remember. So I was like, oh, that's nice that they included it in the movie. Yeah, it was very cool. Wadsworth, when they all return to the lounge, reveals that he's Mr. Body's butler. And he's the one who wrote all the letters and asked them to come here. He wasn't involved in the blackmail scheme, but explains that he used to work for Mr. Body... Uh, until his wife committed suicide because she was being blackmailed by Mr. Body, who was blackmailing all of them because he believed they were all un-American in some way. <laughs> I love that that's the reason. It's like, no. No, nope. he's just a fucking asshole. He's just a, he's just a guy. Yeah. Um, Wadsworth says that he too was a victim of Mr. Body as his wife had had socialist friends and everyone reacts dramatically to this. That is such a good joke that does not, like, like, I don't know how <laughs> funny that would be necessarily to someone mm-hmm. now, like, maybe a younger person who's who's seeing that, be like, I don't get why that's so funny. It's like, no, no, yeah. I promise it's actually very funny. In, the, in this movie that supposedly takes place in the 1950s, that would have played extremely well. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, even, like... Um, Mrs. White, who had been arguing with Wadsworth like early in the in the movie, she goes over and put gives him like a tissue, and she's so gentle. <laughs> it's so weird. Wadsworth was made to butler for free as the terms of his blackmail, uh, and 
After his wife's suicide, Wadsworth resolved to put Mr. Body behind bars for what he had done to her. Uh, he's like, well, the police will be here in 39 minutes, which timing it out is roughly about when the police arrive at this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, they time it pretty pretty accurately. Yeah. And uh, as they argue about who could have done the murder, they all collectively remember that the cook also exists in this house and that there's a whole other person in this building. And then they rush off in a big old group to the kitchen. Um, arriving, the kitchen is empty and Mr. Green starts poking around. <laughs> Mr. Green leans next to the freezer, which is which the door to promptly opens. And next to him, the cook falls out. Uh, stabbed in the back, also dead. Miss Scarlet makes a joke about dinner not being that bad. When asked how she could make jokes at a time like this, she declares that it's her defense mechanism. Iconic. <laughs> I feel that in my bones. <laughs> Just the like, way, oh my god, like, yeah. Like, the anybody way who Leslie laughs and nervously. Warren says, it's my defense mechanism. Like, I need that written <laughs> in my brain. It, it, it is so good. <laughs> Uh, everyone starts to turn on each other, uh, and this is when we get the husband should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable line. Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone is just sort of at each other's throats, because the fact of the matter is that anyone could have done it at this point. Wadsworth suggests they bring the cook's body to the study, but when they get there, Mr. Body is missing! Uh oh. (sighs) (laughs) They drop the cook very unceremoniously, they're (laughs) in the doorway of the study. They're trying That's to, like, so step over her, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems Mr. Body wasn't dead after all. Miss Peacock, frustrated by all this, goes to use the little girl's room while the gang in the study checks out the negatives incriminating the colonel. Uh, but when Miss Peacock opens the bathroom door, Mr. Body, now definitely dead, falls on her. Everyone rushes to them as she screams and faints. Mr. Body, definitely dead at this point. And just in case you didn't know what movie you were watching, Wadsworth yells that they are trying to find out who killed him and where and with what. Uh, The things that you have to understand to win a game of Clue. Yep. (laughs) As he shouts, the candlestick falls off of the doorframe behind him and bunks him on the noggin so he gets a little ice pack while they finish moving the chef into the study and pop her up on the couch with Mr. Body. (laughs) Yeah. Like, again... The physical comedy in this movie. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Like, Incredible. Like, you know, because there's like a, the way that it's shot, like you see the candlestick. It's very clearly in view. Mm-hmm. You know it is going to fall. <laughs> like, you're just waiting for when. <laughs> it's very, exactly. very obvious. <laughs> they begin to work through everything that they know. They all had access to all the weapons, so Wadsworth proposes that they lock all of the weapons in the cabinet, and since no one wants Wadsworth to hold onto the key to the said cabinet, they run, open the front door, and throw the key away, but in opening it, they are face-to-face with a guy. They try to- A dude! A dude! (laughs) (laughs) They quickly feign normalcy, and every time they have to do this, they get worse and worse at it. Um... (laughs) Just by the end, they are the most suspicious group of people who has ever existed. The man explains that his car broke down and asks to use their phone. And after a moment whispering as a group in a little huddle, they welcome him in and direct him as suspiciously as possible to the lounge phone. Wadsworth then locks him in the lounge. Crisis averted. Wadsworth throws away the key to the cabinet at last. Yeah, like I like that they lock the guy in the lounge. 
Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, this is a normal thing to do. <laughs> He's definitely not going to be weird and suspicious of us after this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not like he would have just sat here in this comfortable room with the phone if we didn't lock him. In. <laughs> I mean, I guess they were more worried that he'd wander out and go find the corpses, but you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's what's a big mansion without a corpse somewhere? <laughs> Uh, Wadsworth refuses to let anyone leave until they find out who done it, uh, and they all head off to have a drink after checking that there were indeed still two corpses in the uh, study. Everything's fine uh, yeah. in the library. <laughs> like everything good? Yep, two corpses. All right, yep, everything's good. <laughs> in the library, Colonel Mustard takes command as much as anyone can, and quickly they devolve into arguing again. This time about what to do with the man in the lounge. They establish that there's no one else in the house, but the colonel is suspicious and suggests they split up into pairs and search the house top to bottom. Seeing no other option, they decide to go with this plan and draw straws to decide the pairs, everyone nervous that they could get paired up with the killer. That's a sacrifice that we have to make, Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> Wadsworth cuts the matches and they all pick, ending up with the pairs of Miss Scarlet and the colonel, Wadsworth and Miss White, Mr. Green, Yvette, and Miss Peacock and the Professor. They head out to investigate. Miss Peacock and the Professor go to the cellar. Miss Scarlet and the Colonel stay on the main first floor, and everyone else heads upstairs to poke around. Despite the spooky atmosphere and some accidental bumps and scares, no one finds anything at first. There's a pretty long searching sequence. We'll just breeze past. Mm -hmm. Um, But as they search, uh, a police car down the road comes across Miss Scarlet's broken down vehicle. They're en route. They're getting closer. <laughs> um, in the study, a gloved hand belonging to a mysterious figure uh, puts all the evidence against all of them into the fireplace, burning it. <gasps> oh, no. Um, the hand then opens the weapons cabinet. Back inside the house, we see the driver locked in the lounge, making a call about his nervousness and all the people here and how weird they are. One of whom looks just like his old boss from... Before you can finish that thought, someone uses the secret passage behind the fireplace to conk him on the head with a wrench. R.I.P. to this motorist. <laughs> yep. And they, they do use the secret passages as they are in the game with mm-hmm. uh, the lounge and the kitchen? I think it's the lounge. Oh, conservatory. Lounge conservatory. And conservatory. Yeah, kitchen and the kitchen and the study. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it... The the secret passages are so silly. I always thought they were really fun. Yeah. They're like exactly the kind of like door clearly on one axis, like turning kind of deal that you want it to be. Yeah. Like the dramatic turning of the fireplace. (laughs) It's so good. It's awesome. Uh, This is a set that I would like give anything to just get to go like poke around on, you know? Yeah, no, I would have so so much fun. Like, that, Mm -hmm. the design of that house is so good. (laughs) Uh, Miss Scarlet and the Colonel, Miss Scarlet, Miss (laughs) Scarlet and the Colonel investigate the greenhouse, the conservatory, and as they do, stumble into uh, the aforementioned secret passage, and going through it, they find their way into the lounge and discover the dead motorist. Their screams draw the attention of everyone else in the house uh, as they figure out that they're locked into the uh lounge because of the previous locked door wadsworth locked and, and the fire the fireplace to seems to have like a set time that it like mm-hmm. opens and closes and they don't know how to, to activate it. the fireplace yeah. i guess either that like uh, they're also panished because another dead body <laughs> but you know mm-hmm. 
Uh, all the remaining folks scamper over each other to try and get to the lounge door, which is locked, and Wadsworth doesn't have the key to unlock the door, so he tries to break it down by running into it, and that does nothing. Yvette, thinking quickly, runs and grabs the gun from the cabinet to shoot the door open, uh, misses at first as she trips over Wadsworth on the floor. Again, amazing physical comedy. <laughs> and in heels. And in heels. Yeah. Um, and her shot hits the chandelier instead. Another shot, she hits the door and also grazes the shoulder of the colonel a little bit. And <laughs> you get a great shot of him on the other side of the door. The most matter of fact, like, oh, I've been shot. <laughs> uh, uh, I've been shot. <laughs> like, most of his delivery is, is uh, like that. So it's it's um, it's Martin Mole playing mm-hmm. uh, Colonel Mustard. If, if Most people my age would probably know him as the principal from <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I think. That's yeah. probably what they would know him most. It, it's not that dissimilar of a character, honestly. <laughs> Great line read from Yvette on Come On Out, The Door Is Open. She's got a very strong, like, wee-wee French accent. The, I'm... the very fake French yeah. accent that it's very <laughs> obvious. Miss Scarlet and the Colonel rush out, and the Colonel yells at Yvette, saying he can't have any more scares. Moments before, the chandelier, whose rope was frayed by the previous shot, falls behind him, shattering. Uh, the group then gets up to speed about who found the body in the lounge and how, and in the process, realize that the cabinet with the weapons must have been unlocked as well, since Yvette was able to run in and grab the gun, no problem. At this moment, the doorbell rings once more, uh, and despite hoping that whoever it is just goes away, the doorbell rings again. So Mr. Green goes to open the door as he has nothing to hide, and they come face to face with a police officer. <laughs> He's here to ask about the abandoned cars and w- wonders if their drivers had come here to this spooky house, and despite some panic, Wadsworth is able to direct him to the library to wait for an available phone uh, to use to call in the abandoned cars. Uh. <laughs> Again, they're very suspicious because uh, Green is like, "Oh, well, we got to tell them the truth. I didn't do anything." Like he was, he was the one who was very mm-hmm. like, "All right, let's just wait for the cops." And he just is doing this really awkward, super smiley bit yeah. like the whole time. That's so off-putting. <laughs> You're like, "Oh my god, just close your mouth. <laughs> You're being so <laughs> suspicious." The cop gets a call in the library and after hearing who is calling, goes and demands to be released because he has also been locked into this room, just like the motorist. And once they open the door, he tries to question what's going on around here, apparently being a bit more curious than their previous guests. And more importantly, he wants to know why they're receiving calls from J. Edgar Hoover, a.k.a. the head of the FBI. None of them have an answer to that, but Wadsworth does go to answer the phone regardless. I I do appreciate that he says, well, he's on everybody else's. Why shouldn't he be on mine? (laughs) Which is so good. It's a classic Wadsworth Uh... delivery. The remaining folks try to convince the cop that they're just having a party, but he asks to look around, so Mr. Green goes to give him a tour of all the non-body-filled rooms. Meanwhile, everyone else scampers around, setting up their cover story. Um, eventually, the officer makes his way to the lounge in the study, where everyone is weekend at Bernie'sing the dead bodies to look like they're like making out or drunk and passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they they try to like play it off as like oh just a bunch of rich folks and their orgies or something yep. like like it's weird <laughs> how they try to present it like and he's just like this seems normal this seems yeah. fine <laughs> yeah the cop sees nothing wrong with this nothing too shocking he just makes sure that they are gonna call a car for the guy uh, who is passed out drunk which is the motorist who was killed oh so recently. <laughs> 
Wadsworth emerges from the library, rolls with the whole scheme, and once more locks the cop in the library to use the phone, and the gang reconvenes to continue their search of the house. This time, the colonel and Miss Scarlet find themselves in the kitchen, where she finds another secret passage through the freezer to the study, and once more we go to a shot of a gloved hand uh, with no identified owner. Um, This time, it's turning off all the power in the house, plunging them all into darkness. There's a there's an interesting thing that they did, and I'm wondering if this was just something they thought about mm-hmm. and then didn't do it. All three of the women who are our main people, like not Yvette, but uh, Scarlet, White, and Peacock, all three of them have red nail polish on. Ooh. So I'm wondering if at one point they did plan to show a hand, but mm-hmm. since all of them have the same nail polish on, it wouldn't you wouldn't be able yeah. to necessarily tell who it is. But instead, they end up just going with the gloved uh, hands for all the, like, murder, has, like, uh, scenarios. Sequences. But yeah. I'm curious to, I was curious to know, like, if that ended up, that, that might have been a possibility when they were designing everything. Like, oh, well, just in case we end up doing that later. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, the glove obviously makes it so that it could be anyone, but... I don't see any other reason why these three women would be wearing the exact same nail polish unless they're yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that it. was an interesting choice considering mm-hmm. all three of them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of all three of them and everyone else, panic is ensuing. Yvette enters a dark room and talks to a voice uh, disembodied in this void who asks if anyone recognized her. And as she admits that someone did, she's strangled with the rope. Oh no, goodbye, Yvette. It's so wimpy looking, too. It's really, really funny. Like, she's just like, ah! Ah! It's like, that's gonna take a while. Uh, Meanwhile, the cop tries to warn someone on the phone that something funny is going on here, but as he makes the call, someone sneaks into the library and knocks him with a lead pipe. Rip to the cop as well. At this moment, the doorbell rings once more, and this time, it's a singing telegram who barely gets through, I... Um, a singing telegram before being shot uh, with the gun. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere, too. You're just like, oh, no, who's it going to be now? And you just see this small girl dressed as like a bellhop or something. Mm. And you're like, the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> and just just a simple like, like you, can, you can't see who it is because of the way that the, the light is hiding them. But like mm-hmm. you can just tell based on the body language that they're like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> they just shoot her. You're like, all right, that's good. Very good. Uh, at this point, nearly everyone encounters some sort of loud sound or lock or something. And we get maybe my favorite joke of the movie. Uh, Tim Curry in the dark finds a knob and is like, what's this? Another door? And he turns it. And what he does is turn on a shower and even though the shot is in near total darkness the physical humor of tim curry standing directly underneath the shower head as it turns on and just drenches him because it's like one of those like classy old showers that with like the really fancy like uh faucet head things Mm -hmm. and you're like oh well all right in the dark i can see why someone might not know what that is yeah (laughs) it is they do establish i think at the beginning that this isn't body or wadsworth's location like this is a different location yeah from no one here place. like owns this house or like lives so, in this so house. you're like whose house is this <laughs> and i don't think they ever established that no i think it's just a mystery just a mystery murder house yeah um, 
<laughs> they rent it out for parties. Wadsworth, now completely dry immediately after this gag happens, uh, rushes to the basement and flips the breaker, turning the power back on as everyone emerges from different areas, save for a vet who has been murdered. Wah, wah. <laughs> Hi, Sophia here, just taking a quick break from the main episode to give a shout out to this episode's partner, Paramount Snag. Get ready for an adrenaline-packed ride with Snag, now streaming on Redbox On Demand. This gritty modern-day fairy tale follows a lone wolf who must rescue the love of his life from a dangerous criminal mob. With heart-pumping action and intense suspense, Snag will keep you on the edge of your seat from beginning to end. Don't miss out on this must-see movie. Stream Snag instantly on Redbox today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. Thanks again to Snag, and now back to the episode. Slowly and mutely, they all silently together walk to the library and they, or the billiards room where they see the dead Yvette, and then they silently and together walk and see the cop also dead in the library. At this point, no one is shocked by the particular amount of murders. That's all very routine for them. They do recall that there was a gunshot and open the door to find the third murder, the singing telegram. And this time they just leave everyone where they find them. They don't move them into yeah, the Yeah, they study. don't even move her. Like <laughs> off, the, off the front stoop. She's just there. <laughs> just hanging out. They all gather in the main hall and Wadsworth declares that he knows who did it and how it was done. And so we're entering the first of three possible endings for this movie. Um, what's going to happen is we're going to recap everything that we've just recapped extremely quickly. And then there were um, three endings for this movie. When you watch it now on streaming, you get all three in sequence with little title cards in between. But when they release this, theaters would get one ending with the movie. So people could go to two different theaters and see two different endings, which happened to my parents. <laughs> so it's free. funny because back then it was... It did. It was a critical failure. Mm -hmm. But if that happened like now-ish, that would have been amazing. Be like people would have eaten that up. And like I, I get the idea. Like it encourages people to go see the movie again to see if they mm -hmm. can get a different ending. I think it would have been interesting if they'd had an ending for like each person. I think that yeah. would have been kind of cool, but would have been difficult to film. Yes. Um, I think they did have at least one other one prepped. Uh, mm -hmm. or, or in the script, but then for time, uh, they didn't. But what's interesting is uh, I have the DVD, and you have the option when it when you play it of if you want all three endings or if it mm -hmm. chooses one at random for you, which yes. I think is great. <laughs> it's awesome. It's probably my favorite all like all time favorite distribution gimmick a movie has done. Like I would lose my mind if something did that today. I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I the idea. How contentious people are when you go to a movie and discuss it with your friends afterwards or with like you're like tweeting about it or something. Can you imagine a world where everyone is all riled up and then also just fully watch different movies? <laughs> like it's it's such a good idea now in the age of like, you know, social media. Mm -hmm. But but back then it, it did not work. And I mean, I can understand why, like, there are certain aspects of why the film definitely doesn't work for a lot of other people. Like, mm -hmm. again, like, the first third can be a little slow. But, man, it's it's just so friggin' clever. And, like, the um, the little, like, title cards that pop up 
mm-hmm. uh, between them. It's like, uh, that's what could have happened. Or maybe something like this. <laughs> and like the music that plays <laughs> during the little interludes. Um, yeah. I've definitely used that in videos before. <laughs> like, I've used, um, I think of the gags that I use the most for that, it's either that, the intermission gag from Monty Python, or nice. the to Alice Laytail from, from Spongebob. It's like one of those three is usually what I end up using for a transition. We're also entering the section of the movie where they really hit their stride in terms of speed and frequency of gags. I'm going to be doing this quickly, uh, and somehow it will still be slower than the speed at which Tim Curry recounted the events of the movie thus far. Um, and I just want you to picture in your mind a group of however many fancily dressed characters scurrying about this old mansion at speed as Tim Curry leads them in his very Tim Curry-esque stride, arm in the air, explaining beat by beat what has happened to them. Yeah, he's not just staying in a single room. He takes them back and forth all over the the mansion. <laughs> yes. So we begin our explanation. We started the night. Yvette was in the library alone. Wadsworth was in the hall before hurrying to the kitchen where the cook was sharpening knives. Then the doorbell rang and it was the colonel. He and Yvette met and Wadsworth let Miss White in, then introduced them all where Yvette and Miss White flinched. They knew each other. One by one, they all arrived and went in for dinner where they revealed blackmail. Ah, why we're all here. They then rushed to the study where Mr. Body gave them all surprise packages and turned off the lights, which they recreate. Uh, Mr. Body pretended to be dead and the events continued to unfold. The gang rushed to the billiard room, but one of them wasn't there. But who? Whoever it was ran to kill the cook, then used the secret passage to return to the study. They questioned why the cook was murdered, but of course, she had to do with the blackmail as well, just as Yvette did. They were who supplied the guilty secrets of those he blackmailed to Mr. Body, so whoever knew the cook was involved must have been the one who killed her. Miss White knew Yvette. It was she who her husband had an affair with. Uh, Just as Miss Scarlet and the Colonel knew her, the photos were of the Colonel and Yvette, Yvette who had worked for Miss Scarlet. Three motives. Okay, recap continues. They all realized the cook was in the house and they rushed to the kitchen where Wadsworth recreates the cook falling out of the freezer. Fantastic physical gag. And one of them used the secret passage to return to the study where they hit Mr. Body with the candlestick in the hall and hid him in the bathroom, then rejoined them in the kitchen. So whoever wasn't in the kitchen was the murderer. They then locked the cabinet and Wadsworth feigned throwing away the key and someone picked the key out of his pocket. At with this point, they make a connection between the Colonel and Miss White with the fusion bomb, but they got to keep going. Breeze right past that. Uh, Wadsworth explains he invited the motorist here as everyone here tonight was either Mr. Body's victim or accomplice and everyone who died gave him info about one of the living members of this team. Uh, The motorist was the Colonel's driver in the war and knew he was a war profiteer. Miss mm-hmm. Peacock asks over the cop who was on Miss Scarlet's payroll. She had bribed him to look the other way for her business. Uh, and the singing telegram was one of the professor's uh, previous patients who he had had an affair with. They put her in the study with the others. Now they know why they all died. They were all Mr. Body's accomplices who needed to die. And Wadsworth explains that the murderer gets the weapons from the lounge. Then while they're all split up investigating, one person got away from their partner and burned the evidence. Just as he's in this explanation, the doorbell rings for real. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. do like the exact recap because it is yeah, incredible. No, like, but you, also, you have to imagine just this manic energy mm-hmm. for like ten minutes straight as he's explaining everything and going back and forth, and like they're constantly like tripping over each other as he's mm-hmm. like leading them from one end of the house to the next, and he's like imitating like. He imitates Yvette getting strangled, and then uh, Mrs. White's just like, ah, and just dramatically falling <laughs> to the ground. It's, so it's incredible. At the door is a, like, 
Christian solicitor evangelical type. Uh, and they just shoo him away and return to the recap. Wadsworth switches off the electricity just like the murderer did. And they all, uh, bored with this, are like, just tell us who killed him. It's at this point when the yes. lights turn out. Like, when they go, if you play the endings, multiple mm-hmm. endings... It's at this point when he turns the lights off and then turns them back on to explain who the murderer is. That's the only part that, uh, that's where they start each. So you don't get that same 10 minutes over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which would be great. I would would super watch that, but I understand why they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, It's a lot. (laughs) So this is the first of the three endings. Wadsworth says that Mr. Body and the cook were killed by Yvette, who had listened all along. She killed the cook when Mr. Body was shot, and then him when they were all in the kitchen. Why would she do this? She was acting under the orders from the person who later killed her. It was her employer, Miss Scarlet. Wadsworth explains that she got the rope and the lead pipe and killed Yvette and the cop and killed the telegram because she recognized her from her photograph. Wadsworth has no proof, but since uh, the gun is still missing, whoever has the gun on them must be the murderer. And at this point, the Miss Scarlet reveals the gun from her little purse and holds it at all of them. She killed them because her real business was not the uh, sex trade, but indeed selling secrets. Secrets she got from all of her DC clients uh, in Washington and then would sell to the highest bidder. Yvette was one of the people who would find out secrets and tell her. Mr. Green is like, whoa, so it was political all along? You're a communist. But like many people in the oldest profession, she's a capitalist, and communism was just a red herring. A line that gets repeated in every ending. <laughs> every ending. Which is so good. <laughs> she tells them that they're all going to keep her murder secret, or else she'll reveal their own secrets in turn. So instead of blackmailing for money, she's blackmailing for not being in prison. The only one without any secrets that interest her are Wadsworth. Uh, she goes to shoot him, but before she pulls the trigger, he's like, you can certainly try, but there's no more bullets in that gun. One shot with Mr. Body, two at the door, two somewhere else, plus one. They do a little counting gag here. One plus two one plus, plus two, two plus, plus one. one. Yeah, because he, like, <laughs> he mistakes the number of shots uh, fired. It's... Yeah, because like, yeah. it's one against Mr. Body, two at the chandelier in the door, mm-hmm. one for the telegram another instance and then one um but he thinks for some reason there's two and it's just this it's this long weird like wordy back and forth of one Mm -hmm. plus two plus one plus one one plus one plus two plus one yeah it's so Um. good i quote it all the time it's dumb (laughs) but i love it as they debate counting bullets the doorbell rings once more and the police slash fbi rush right in wadsworth grabs scarlet and the uh chief aka the evangelical guy from earlier who was i guess in disguise at this point busts in and arrests her and wadsworth reveals that there were no more bullets in the gun except when he fires casually up in this air it hits the rope of the chandelier turns out there was still one more bullet in uh the chandelier falls behind the colonel and as he is jumping straight up with his arms they freeze frame (laughs) and that is the ending of the first ending yeah, it's it's very cute. Uh, Wadsworth's secretly working for uh, the FBI. I think mm-hmm. is the in, yeah in that yeah because he because he's like ah yeah I was a butler but I'm also <laughs> an FBI. Why do you think J Edgar Hoover called me? <laughs> yeah, and then like the it's <laughs> like Wadsworth, you're not mad that I tried to shoot you. <laughs> Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. It's just like, yeah, all right. 
Yeah. Excellent. We were waiting all movie for it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. And if you aren't satisfied with that ending, here's another way it could have happened. Picking up at the end of the recap, uh, as they were discussing who was in the cellar, Wadsworth turns to Miss Peacock. This time it was her. She murdered them all. She was the one who was missing when they rushed to the kitchen. Uh, and the cook used to be her cook. They know this because monkey's brains, while very popular in Cantonese cuisine, was an unusual dish for Washington, D.C., and it was indeed, as she declared, her favorite. Um, Once more, communism is revealed to be a red herring, uh, (laughs) and once more, the gun indicates the murderer, as when they all empty their pockets, Miss Peacock is the one with the gun. Once more, Wadsworth finds himself at gunpoint, and he suggests they stack the bodies in the cellar and pretend none of this ever happened, leaving one by one, after all. Uh, why would the police come? He never called them. Miss Peacock goes with this idea, deciding to leave first, and as she backs up to the door with everyone at gunpoint, they sing for she's a jolly good fellow until she exits. <laughs> it's it's very funny because they're all singing in unison, except for Mrs. White. <laughs> when she goes off like rhythm, Green looks at her like, the hell are you doing? <laughs> There's a lot of background facial expressions. Yeah. It's really good. Oh, man. After she exits, Wadsworth reveals that he, in this ending, also works for the FBI and that they'll take care of her. Miss Peacock was taking bribes from a foreign power, and this whole thing will probably be covered up publicly, but she will be handled behind the scenes. And as she goes to get into her car, Miss Peacock is stopped by the evangelical whatever guy the head of the fbi chief who once more starts the sting floodlights go on all around her she's completely surrounded and once more arrested as the fbi succeed again and we get another freeze frame i appreciate uh because up until like this ending like peacock's just kind of been like this kind of bumbling kind of Mm -hmm. klutzy like just chatterbox she doesn't seem super scary. Like, she's, like, the least suspicious, suspicious person, really, I think. Yeah. Like, like, she doesn't really say much that makes you super suspicious of her. So when she gets revealed as the murderer in that particular story, you can her posture completely changes. Like, mm-hmm. she's very confident. She is no longer, like, stumbling or, or, or stuttering. It's really solid. Like, it's only for, like, a couple minutes because it's a very short sequence. But I appreciate that they, they took the time to be like, oh, no, 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 that was an act. She was just pretending to be, like, a, a, a nut job earlier. She's mm-hmm. actually, you know, a good murderer. Apparently. She's on it. <laughs> she's competent. But neither of those endings do it for you. Here's what really happened. Uh, We pick up again right after the recap as we go through each murder one by one. Professor Plum knew Mr. Body was alive. Even a dishonored doctor would know if someone was alive or dead. Uh, It was Professor Plum who had fired at him and missed and had later gone back to kill him uh, when they were all in the kitchen. The cook was killed by Miss Peacock, once more giving herself away with the monkey's brains. Colonel Mustard is the one who took the key to the weapons cupboard and killed the motorist through the secret passage. The motorist used to be his driver, and he wanted to destroy the evidence of his illicit deeds. Miss White is the one who killed Yvette after turning off the power as she was jealous of her husband's affair, uh, which she had had with Yvette. And we get one of the best line reads of all times as she talks about flames. Flames on the side of my face. <laughs> that whole thing was ad-libbed. It's it's amazing. Yeah, no, she ad-libbed that because she forgot her line. <laughs> she forgot her actual line, so she's just like, Flames! 
fl- flames on the side of my face, burning. <laughs> ah. And like you can tell, she's like, somebody talk. <laughs> it takes a second for them to like cut into the conversation. It's but they kept truly it. incredible. Yeah, it's funnier than any actual read of that line could be. Like the half-remembered line is perfect for it's the character really and the funny. frustration. It's it's so perfectly done. Like it just sounds so very natural mm-hmm. because she is just basically talking. <laughs> oh, I love that bit. Uh, Miss Scarlet, meanwhile, has the one who killed the cop, uh, who was on her payroll, but was maybe going to sell her out. The only one left is Mr. Green, but as he insists that it wasn't him, he didn't murder anybody. This time he says that whoever has the gun is the one who killed the singing telegram. They do the gun reveal, and this time, (gasps) Wadsworth has it. Wadsworth reveals that actually he was Mr. Body the whole time, and it was his butler who was killed by Professor Plum. He had manipulated them into destroying all of the informers in his network and all of the evidence against him. Uh, Once more, communism, just a red herring. Uh, and once Wadsworth once more reveals that he never called the police and they'll just stack the bodies in the cellar and all go their separate ways uh, without mentioning this. But this time, Mr. Green takes a stance and shoots Wadsworth, killing him after getting the gun uh, before revealing that he was an FBI plant this whole time. And he opens the doors of the mansion to let the FBI rush in. Once more, the chief evangelical guy asks who done it, and Mr. Green does the read we were all waiting for. Who killed Mr. Body? It was Mr. Green in the hall with the revolver. Uh, and now he's going to go home and sleep with his wife. Freeze frame. Roll credits. <laughs> it's it's so fucking funny. <laughs> like, I, I... It is funny because, like, they... They do say that this is, like, the real ending, mm-hmm. but technically any of them would have been correct. Yeah. But just when they compiled it uh, in, like, either mm-hmm. VHS or DVD and stuff, like, they decided to have it yeah. be, like, the main ending. And I, I think it, I get why they did that, too, because this is the the one where all of them did it is, In I my brain, it satisfying. makes the most sense. Yeah. Like, some of the murders are like, eh, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, someone actually did, like, a breakdown of how realistic the three endings are and based on just like what we can see from the film Mm -hmm. and apparently the only one that actually makes logistical sense based on what we are shown is peacock there are holes in scarlets and there are holes in the other one which Mm -hmm. makes sense because it's six different people killing somebody right but in my in my heart of hearts i love the i love the last ending because i like that all of them do something ridiculous Mm -hmm. at some point they're all just extremely flawed people in their own way and they get to and and the entire movie green has been getting shit on the Mm -hmm. entire time by everybody like all the men are afraid of him uh the women like think he's gross which is why it's really funny that he ends up getting paired with Yvette and she's just like oh no my tits they're so big protect me and he's like whatever I don't give a shit <laughs> it's just like oh my god perfect uh, and he's yeah. just he especially during the 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 bit where Wadsworth is running around the house he is constantly hurting Green <laughs> that's when you see uh the the stunt double for Green in a very obvious <laughs> mix when they're at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. he like falls down Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious it's a stunt double because you can see his face. <laughs> like, he turned around and he shouldn't have. It's really funny. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice to see that he gets, like, a like a, a moment of triumph mm-hmm. after everything that victory. has happened to the guy. He gets to close the entire movie by 
as confidently as anyone has ever said it. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. And then just walking out the door. They just clap him on the body. Good on you. <laughs> the rest of them are all just like, no, we're going to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wadsworth uh, also does die in that ending. Uh, or I yes. should say, Mr. Body dies in that. Yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that Peacocks is the only one that works. Because even watching the movie like the first few times... You Peacock is the one who you obviously see left in the um, room when they all rush off to the kitchen because she's drinking the brandy and is like fainted and like you get the idea like Plus, there are more in the instances. shot itself she's not physically there when they go into the kitchen mm-hmm. so like even if you didn't have the establishing shot of her with the brandy it you know she's not there <laughs> yeah so at least like very early on it sets it up as like she's the one who's not around so I can see how that one mm-hmm. makes the most logistical sense but I think like narratively it is more satisfying to see them all kind of all equally get their comeuppance for killing I, off every I, other unnamed character in this movie. Yeah, and, like, they do a good job of, like, establishing motive for everybody, and, mm-hmm. like, there's lots of, like, weird looks and, like, lines that are said that are just, like, it could have a double meaning, like, multiple people recognize Yvette <laughs> because <laughs> she works for Scarlet, she slept with Mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Wadsworth kind of knew who she was. Yeah, so she like, was the one who had the affair with one of Miss White's husbands. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, I'm just seeing if there's, uh, like, the... There are so many good lines in this movie, <laughs> and uh, I uh, there's a bunch of that I always remember, but there are, mm-hmm. like, every once in a while, there's one that pops up, I'm like, oh, right, that's what that's from. It's um, uh, Plum and and Peacock are down, going down to the cellar, and he's like, what, are you afraid of a fate worse than death? And she's like, no, death's scary enough. <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, fair, fair, that's a good point. The MCU wishes it had the quipping gravitas of this movie but the thing is like the humor in this movie works because it's incredibly well thought out and like it's yeah it's thoughtful, not like purposeful comedy quippy. it's good yeah. quippy <laughs> like, <laughs> even where like, you do get some improv it feels like like from miss white's you know forgotten line read like it all still fits yeah. with the tone and the style of the dialogue it's definitely one of those ones where like the mix of physical comedy and witty banter is really good mm-hmm. and in the characters are behaving very funnily to us, the audience, but mm-hmm. within the story, they are actually like scared and, and like yeah. afraid of each other. It just it comes across as really funny and bumbling to the audience, but like the characters themselves don't know they're in a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're acting they're... real to the world that they're in, but for the audience, that world is this fictional comedic board game adaptation <laughs> yeah and like they they establish everybody's personalities pretty easily like you get mm-hmm. a sense of who everyone is and how they work like like plum is constantly hitting on every woman mm-hmm. like like every single one of them he touches their butt at some point i think yeah. there's a little bit I, of like a the colonel is hurting for cash she's got like no more money for the, the from the between the blackmail and um just like not having any inheritance or anything that's where the war profiteering is kind of like set up in that he does need this money from something um there's kind of like a really good job of subtle hinting throughout all of the kind of back and forth dialogue and all of the physical comedy yeah. still do- doing the legwork of giving you enough information to understand what you need to understand about these characters to the point where nothing feels like too much of a reveal like nothing is uh, a plot shattering revelation it's more just like oh of course now all these pieces make sense yeah and it's just it's it's 
it's just such a fun movie to throw <laughs> on. Like, uh, it's a good movie to have on in the background. It's also mm. a good movie to just like watch with everyone. Like my friends and I, when we watched it, we all dressed up as the six characters and um, dream halloween for halloween (laughs) yeah and we what we did was we actually took photos of ourselves in our costumes and our friend photoshopped and made little like clue card decals for our pictures it was really fun and then we went bowling we looked ridiculous (laughs) you might as well if you're gonna go bowling (laughs) i was peacock i looked ridiculous (laughs) that's good get the glasses and everything it wasn't an exact, like, we, we had to adjust. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't specifically the movie version. So I actually had, like, uh, I went for more of what the she looks like on the actual, like, uh, uh, the, the the board game cover. Mm-hmm. Like, where she's, like, she looks like a mix between, like, a debutante and a flapper. <laughs> it's bizarre how oh. she's, like, designed. So I had, like, a bunch of pearls. I had a little, like, peacock feather in my hair. Uh, one of those long, silly cigarettes things, yes. uh, gloves with blue. So that's that's what we ended up doing for that. Extremely Just because we were cool. going more for like the, the classic the look rather than specifically the movie. But I think the person who was white was doing specifically movie white. You got it. That, it's that's the best version. Because <laughs> in, in the game, she's the cook, if I recall. Yeah, or at I least originally. The, the maid. Um, maid or cook or something, yeah. yeah. Uh, although they, they've added... I, I didn't realize how many, like, colors they've added over the years. I had a version of Clue that was a DVD version hmm. um, with set mysteries. So you would say how many players there were, and that would adjust certain things. And what you would do is, like, you would put in this, like, code, depending on what specific case you were playing. Mm-hmm. And it introduced more rooms. It introduced, um, in- instead of, because they were trying to aim for, like, a slightly younger audience, uh, instead of weapons for a murder, something's been stolen. Mm. And they add a fourth category, which is time of day. Ooh. So it makes it so much more difficult, because you not only have the the regular three, you added an additional, and every time you use the secret passage, something can happen. Either nothing, you get to see somebody else's item because you're spying through it, or one of your items uh, becomes public for everybody to see. So every time you go through the secret passage, you risk something happening. Oh, that rocks. And it plays like a little like scene of you going, and there's like suspicious music as you're going through the tunnel. It's like, what's gonna happen? And there's like a butler character who, like, every once in a while is like, "Hey, Scotland Yard's getting really annoyed. Can you like finish this up?" And then they'll throw out more clues for you to find. It's really good. We played it a lot in high school. Uh, well, this I think like both of us are pretty aligned on really enjoying this movie. So rather than doing a necessarily final thought section, I thought it'd be fun to ask of the people who were not the single accused person in the ending. So uh, Mr. Green, Colonel Mustard, Professor Plum, Miss White, I guess Wadsworth kind of was one of them. Who do you think would be a good like another alternate? Like who would you want to see be the murder in an alternate ending and why? Well, like when I fir- when I watched it the first time, mm-hmm. uh, Plum kind of came across as the most obviously suspicious to me because mm-hmm. what idiot doesn't know how to check a pulse? Like <laughs> that was like my first thing of like, hang on a second. Yeah, I feel like unless he was faking dead or something like some stupid bullshit potion or something, I don't know. Like uh, I think Plum would be interesting if only mm-hmm. for that. Um, 
Hmm. Oh gosh. I don't know. Have, I, honestly, like I would kind of like to see White. Hello, Autumn. Hello, Hello. cat. See, I feel just, like Miss White again. is the only one I wouldn't want. <laughs> we got a little bit of a cat cameo going on. Um, my cat is completely asleep next to this chair, so I think she, this is the second time when I've been on something and she appears literally <laughs> in the last two minutes. <laughs> um. Um, yeah like white would be interesting mostly because i'd want to see how unhinged she could get mm-hmm. um but yeah plum i think would be really fun because we know christopher lloyd can do crazy yes <laughs> and he plays like a fairly like straight man kind of character throughout mm-hmm. the film so it'd be interesting if like actually what if he was mr body mm. uh and not one of the victims and like he only pretended to be a victim so that way he could get close to them and figure out something like, oh, right. there's a traitor or something. I don't know. But I think that would be, uh, hmm. I think that would have been an interesting thing. Only because like it's, it's not a bad performance or anything. It's just, it's definitely one of Christopher Lloyd's like most like, like neutral in terms of like, he's not super over the top most of the time. Like his yeah. over the topness in the film comes from people's reactions to him, not him mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, I get what you mean. I feel like I almost don't want it to be Miss White just because, because I she's love. So nuts. She's just so nuts. In, <laughs> I, but I feel like she's nuts in a very like focused way. I'm like, I fully believe that this woman has murdered like five husbands at this point, but no way she's oh, yeah. killed anyone in this house. Um, and kind of in a similar way, like I don't get you don't get the vibe from Mister Green that he's ever really at risk of being one of the murders. I like Professor. I like the Professor Plum ending. I think for me watching it the first time, I always thought it was going to be Colonel Mustard. Just something he, about, like, yeah. how blustering he was. And you get those little hints about how he's in financial troubles. Something about it just always screamed to me, like, this man might get desperate and um, maybe <laughs> do a little murder. I think it'd be interesting if Body was actually alive again. Like, mm. if if he set up the whole thing and mm-hmm. nobody actually, or at least at first, nobody actually died. But then everyone starts killing all the accomplices and he's like, oh, shit. I wasn't <laughs> expecting them to do that. This That'd has gone good. horribly like, wrong. It's like very arrested development. Like, yeah, just like went say. way beyond where they were expecting it to go. <laughs> uh well, absolutely incredible. Uh, Kaluna, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a blast. I can see that maybe we're starting to have some cat interference, so I think this is as good a time as any to start wrapping up the pod. Uh, yeah, if people want to hear set up. <laughs> If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Uh, you can check out my YouTube channel at uh, Kaluna Reviews if you just put in youtube.com slash Kaluna Reviews. Uh, I haven't gotten uh, a video up in a while because I've been very, very busy uh, because I also do audiobook narration under the name Heather Wynn. Uh, I don't have like a particular genre that I'm, I do a lot. Like they kind of give me a whole bunch. Uh, I've done like kids books. I've done romance. I've done uh self-help books like all different kinds of stuff uh i am planning to try to get back into video making after vidcon probably um uh but it's it's always highly dependent on my schedule (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh i'm doing some more narration work uh on the side for my other job uh so i'm getting some extra money there so that's always good because i you know i'm a person living by myself in la so uh it means i'm poor (laughs) because everything here is so expensive (laughs) 
We're all hustling in our own ways. Um, I guess this is also our backdoor pilot for both of us will be at VidCon <laughs> if you're going. Yeah, yeah. I guess whenever this, this debuts, you can come see us mm. at VidCon. We'll be there basically the whole weekend, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Heather, thank you so much for joining me. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, I uh, There was a building. Uh, building. There was a murder in my building. And it oh. happened in one of, like, six rooms with, like, one of, like, six weapons. And then a bunch of color-coded uh, people showed up. So I got to go do a little investigating. But uh, we'll be back with another episode in just two weeks. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you again to our guest. And we'll catch you next episode on your preferred podcast platform with an audio file. <laughs> Yeah, that's the dorkiest one I've done yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ye old gramophone. (laughs) We're going old school, kids. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back in two weeks on June 19th with the Father's Day special. Shout out to my dad. Uh, But if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the podcast before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Patrons can enjoy a bunch of benefits like credits in the show notes, access to exclusive patron-only Discord channels, and, of course, monthly reviews selected by patrons. They just wrote up a review of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves, so check that out if you are at all interested. Um, In addition to the Patreon, there is a Moviestruck Discord if you want to chat with some other cool fans and movie lovers there's always some really fun stuff happening there uh thanks for listening and we'll catch you next episode